This is Africa Digest. It is 1700 hours Central African time on Africa Digest on Channel Africa, where we give you news from an African perspective. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Spumelele Zondi. We are broadcasting to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa on 9625 kHz. That's on the 31-meter band in Southern Africa. And you can stream us on channelafrica.co.za. I'm with Jola Netulo, Husani Matebula, and Nedo Chemane. Your top stories. The DRC opposition warned that voting machines will be sabotaged unless a consensus is found on time on the use of such controversial tool. Another body found in Tanzania as efforts got underway to salvage the wreckage of the capsized ferry. In economics, the Kenya Central Bank concerned about the effect of a new value-added tax on fuel. And in sports, South African side Bloemfontein Celtic calls for supporters and football lovers to get behind the team. John Netulo has the news. Thank you, Spumalele. Good afternoon. Eight soldiers have been killed by a blast in the trouble north of Burkina Faso. President Roche Mark Christian Cabore says the soldiers died after their vehicle drove over a homemade mine. The convoy had been heading to the town of Jibo in Saum province, where jihadists have carried out a string of attacks since 2015. South Sudan civil war has caused the death of Eclipse, a 382,900 people. The figures are according to a study by the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine University. Previous estimates have put the toll in the tens of thousands. The UK study found that the deaths from the civil war in South Sudan, which started in December 2013, were concentrated in the northeast and southern regions of the country. The new figure is comparable to Syria, where more than 360,000 are estimated to have died since the conflict began in 2011. South Sudan's President Salva Kiir and rebel leader Rick Machar signed a much-anticipated peace deal this month, the latest attempt to end a war that has torn the world's newest nation apart. Zimbabwean President Emerson Nangagwa says he's considering a constitutional amendment that would accommodate the leader of the opposition MDC, Nelson Chamisa, in government. Mnangagwa, who is currently attending the United Nations General Assembly in New York, told journalists that he was considering recognizing Chamisa as opposition leader. Chamisa, who lost the, pres- the presidential election in July to Mnangagwa, has legally contested the outcome in court and rejected the court verdict, insisting that he won the election. He also took to Twitter on Monday to tally supporters that he had not received any offer from Mnangagwa. Iranian oil minister Bijan Bijan Namdar Zangene says U.S. President Donald Trump is the main culprit to blame for a recent surge in oil prices. He says Trump's disruptive and illegal policies is causing the destabilization of the market. This follows Trump hitting out at OPEC, accusing it of ripping off the rest of the world. Trump withdrew the United the United States from the 2015 nuclear deal between Iran and world powers in May, and his administration imposed a round of sanctions on the Islamic Republic in August. And finally, Pope Francis has attempted to reassure Chinese Catholics following an agreement last week between Beijing and the Vatican to cooperate. The deal is over the appointment of bishops and is aimed at ending decades of animosity. The BBC's James Reynolds reports. 
The Pope has reached a provisional agreement with the Chinese Communist Party. Now the pontiff has to sell the deal to Chinese Catholics, who may be wary of giving the Chinese authorities such a powerful say in the nomination of local bishops, the Pope wrote in a message to China's 12 million Catholics. He encouraged them all to work towards reconciliation. Francis has insisted that he will have the final say over the appointment of local bishops, but not everyone is convinced. For Channel Africa, I'm Jolani Tulo. Thank you very much, Jolani, for that update. The Democratic Republic of Congo's opposition has warned the voting machines will be sabotaged unless a consensus is found on time on the use of such a controversial tool. Only three months remain before the December elections, but the DRC actors are still divided on several questions, including the use of voting machines supported by the country's both electoral commission and the ruling coalition, but rejected by the opposition. Jean-Noël Bomondi reports from Kinshasa. Among the issues dividing the electoral process stakeholders here in the Democratic Republic of Congo are the complicated matter of 16% of voters registered without fingerprints and the use of voting machines during the vote. The use or not of voting machines has remained the most dividing issue on which people have it difficult to reach an agreement. The use of such a tool is supported by these countries, both independent National Electoral Commission and ruling coalition, but rejected by the opposition while the civil society itself is divided on this. The Independent National Electoral Commission has said if voting machines are withdrawn from the process, elections won't be held on December 23rd, but the opposition has warned the machines will be sabotaged. At a meeting with the Electoral Commission, the opposition put it clear that the electoral law doesn't include the use of voting machines and so people can't accept. If no consensus is found, the opposition will call for sabotage. Muhindo Nsangi is an opposition MP. If you persist for the use of voting machines, we warn you that we'll call on populations to refuse and sabotage those machines. If the Electoral Commission wants a peaceful elections, a consensus must be found about the voting machines. Most of observers we have spoken to believe the persisting controversy about the use or not of voting machines is one of the issues that might delay elections to be held as expected here on December 23rd. I then asked to one of the candidates for president, Mr. Seth Kikuni, if to reach an agreement about the use of the voting machines is really a problem here in the DRC. It's a problem because it's dividing. It's very important for all parties to agree on certain principles. I think it's a problem that we can solve, but we just need to focus on the solution instead of focusing on problems. So the solution, I think it's simple. I use the machine itself. What I saw, I saw a printing machine. After using the machine, you can see the name and the face of the person you've chosen in the machine. Once the paper is printed, you can put it in the poll. So which means we can ask the commission to take in consideration only what we've put in the polls. We don't have to take in consideration what is in the machine. 
I don't trust the machine, but there's a possibility to take in consideration the other side because we can say that they'll be cheating in the machine, but they can also cheat through the polls. We know that. I think that's the solution, that's the middle way. We need to focus on the solution. This candidate ready to compete for the highest position here in the Democratic Republic of Congo doesn't agree with other opponents who are calling on the voting machines to be withdrawn from the process. Set Kikuni believes this is not the right solution since it's possible to take control of the polls by working on witnesses and take into consideration only the ballot papers in the polls. Set Kikuni. I do not agree with them on one thing. It's the way they want us to solve that problem. A lot of money has been spent to bring those machines, but yet the machine can be used as a simple printing machine. That's actually the role of the machine. And we are going to count manually everything that we have inside the polls. We can take control of the polls and go from there because if you remove the machine, you stay only with the polls. They can also cheat with that. We have to work on witnesses and take in consideration only what we're going to put in the polls. Meanwhile, the Independent National Electoral Commission has announced that it's technically ready for elections to be held as expected on December 23rd. The Democratic Republic of Congo has to organize the same day three elections including the presidential and both the national and provincial parliamentary elections. Jean-Noël Bamweze for Channel Africa in Kinshasa. Fifteen independent daily and weekly newspapers have been shut down in South Sudan due to the current worsening economic situation. Owners of the newspapers also claim that the government has been censoring sensitive news published in the newspapers. Here's James Manula. A harsh economic period in South Sudan has forced the owners of 15 independent newspapers to shut them down. As if that is not enough, the owners say... The authorities in Ijuba have a tendency of censoring sensitive news before it is published in their newspapers. The 15 newspapers that have been shut down are the Juba Post, The Citizen, The National Mirror, South Sudan Today, The New Nation, The Pioneer, The Advocate, The Independent, The Juba Times, The Southern Eye, The Southern Times, the Juba Telegraph, the Daily News, and the Daily Vision, as well as the Dawn. The newspapers have been published in South Sudan for more than seven years. In other words, the newspapers have been in circulation since South Sudan gained independence from Sudan in July 2011. Paul Kuon, Secretary General of the Association for Media Development in South Sudan, confirms that indeed the newspapers have been shut down. Some were shut down before 2013 incident, some by the authority and some also due to inconsistency or maybe the owners run out of money or financial challenge. And some attributed to personal insecurity. They were not safe, claiming that they are being targeted. As has been said at the beginning, economic nose dive in South Sudan is one of the reasons that compelled owners of the newspapers to shut them down. Emmanuel Mochol is one of the newspaper owners. When the economic crisis came in, we decided to reduce our newspaper from 16 pages 
to 12 pages because the Indian company, the universal printers that is charging us, everything was going up and they told us that if we want to survive, we can reduce to 12 pages. Number two, we decided to minimize on the number of colored pages. So of the 12 pages that we have, we only have the back page and the front page that are colored. Our paper is heavily censored and we are always threatened with closure down of the paper. So we try to censor ourselves and then again we are also censored at the printing center. And when customers, readers, when they see a blank page like this, they will not understand why it is blank page. They will say maybe I'm crazy. Why did I forget to fill this page? Not knowing that it was removed by the national security at the printing center. Emma Namayano, editor-in-chief of the Yuba Monitor, said circulation of newspapers has been extremely low in many places in the country. It depends. For example, the situation will be that rain in the morning. The distribution will be very poor. And like that one, you can expect the returns. And sometimes when there's holidays, like government offices and NGOs, they are not that because some of them even are our subscribers. Some mistakes that fly going every day, and some mistakes like it, we are just sending by road. It's only that the other states where the situation of insecurity is still, that is why we are unable to reach. That was Emma Namayano, editor-in-chief of the Juba Monitor. Despite economic challenges and censorship of the newspapers by the government, a new newspaper called The Star Tribune has just been launched in South Sudan's capital, Juba. Its editor is Victor Kerry. We know that newspapers in South Sudan, particularly here in the town of Juba, uh, from the beginning were in a good state of affairs. You know exactly the situation of the country and uh, you have to work within the difficulties because we cannot wait and we do not have timetable on when the situation will be better. The voice of Victor Carey, editor-in-chief of the Star Tribune, the newly launched newspaper in South Sudan. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is James Shimanyula. <laughs> Remembering Mama Albertina Sisulu. We will say whatever we are expected to say by the people. And we are aligning ourselves with the struggle for the people. We are aligning ourselves with the struggle for the liberation of the oppressed people of this country. Hashtag Mama Sisulu Centenary. Channel Africa, leading the Women's Month Conversations. It is 17.14 Central African Time, right here on Africa Digest on Channel Africa, as we continue to give you news from an African perspective. Now, efforts of pulling out the capsized ferry MV Nyerere from the Lake Victoria in order to retrieve more bodies that are believed to be inside is underway in Tanzania, as another dead body has been found. Speaking to our reporter on the phone from Ukara in Ukerewe, where the overturned ferry boat in the disaster uh, committee chairman, who is also the Minister for Works, Transports and Communications, Isaac Kamwelwe. He said so far the rescue workers have found one dead body and make the total number of 227 bodies retrieved since the exercise began on the 20th when the ferry overturned. Gabriel Zakaria reports. The government has already ordered officials to begin taking baits for the construction of a new boat to travel between Ukara and Ibugorora Islands in Ukerewe district so that business within the area will continue as usual. 
Meanwhile, the government continued to make every effort to try and restore normalcy on the island. One of the latest efforts towards that goal was the announcement that transport services between Okara and Ibugorora in Yokorewe district will resume immediately. The Minister for Works, Transport and Communications Engineer Isaac Kamwelwe explains. The government tomorrow will resume one of its ferries, which is carrying 70 people. It will start operating to, from tomorrow. But uh, since we get accidentally, uh, we, we, we managed to get a uh, private ferry, which is now ferrying people from Ukara here to Bugorora, where, where they used it to go. So the normal activities are, are moving well. People are traveling from here up to, uh, 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 to Bugorora. So the normal business are just going well. Now, business activities for Ukara residents is in dilemma since the main ferry capsized into Lake Victoria last week, and all eyes are waiting to see efforts led by Tanzania People's Defense Force Chief Venancy Mabeo to bear fruits by pulling out of water the capsized vessel. Communications Minister Isaac Kamwelwe again. Uh, we are still at the site where the MV Nyerere Ferry capsized on 20th, where we have a team of rescuers to rescue the dead bodies. The death toll today is 227, and we are now working to remove the, the capsized ferry from the deep water. We have already mobilized the two big ships, and now we are working to make sure to hook the ferry and then remove from the deep water to take it to the shallow water. We are actually pushing because the exercise to, re, to rescue the tank ferry is being supervised by the general, TPDF Tanzania, and uh, we, we, we hope maybe, if not this evening today, tomorrow we shall manage to remove the capsized vessel from the deep water, and we shall put it in, into its normal, normal position so that we can start assessing the damage. A total of Tanzania shillings 557 million has so far been contributed by the public, private institutions and individuals as donations following the MV Nyerere ferry disaster at Yukara in Ukerewe district to support families whose relatives perished in the accident. In line with the President John Magufuli's directive, each family was to receive 1 million for every life lost in the accident. A similar amount was also paid to each of the 41 survivors of the accident. Engineer again. We are getting a lot of assistance from Tanzanians who are contributing money. After today, we have already received more than 590 million shillings, and this money has been taken to the families of the one who lost who, who lost their 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 relatives. So we are getting a lot of assistance from Tanzanians who are contributing the uh, equipment freely to ensure that we are rescuing our the, our people who died because of that accident and they are again to rescue the, the capsized vessel. As we are speaking now, we started from yesterday. Yesterday we managed to pay 241 people 
and today we are we are paying the rest and we shall finish paying today for those money which was instructed by the president of the united republic of tanzania because he said all money contributed by tanzanians will go to those people who lost their relatives so we are now proceeding uh, to the, the death toll climbed to 227 people when one body found today Wednesday afternoon during an exercise to pull out the vessel. 41 people were rescued so far from the boat and the rescuing operations is still going on. Reporting for Channel Africa in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, this is Gabriel Zakaria. Info at channelafrica.co.za. Now, September is National Childhood Cancer Awareness Month in South Africa. A set of simple guidelines have been developed to detect possible indications of cancer among children and that can assist parents and caregivers. The most common type of cancer to affect children is leukemia, which is a group of cancers affecting blood and blood-forming tissues. More from Dr. Tanya Schickeling, a pediatrician subspecializing in oncology and hematology at the Netcare Clinic in Alberton in the country's Gauteng province. So yes, it is a fact that childhood cancer is increasing, multiplying actually by this stage. And there's about a 1,000 children, according to the Childhood Cancer Foundation, that are diagnosed with cancer every year. Now, why is it that some of the cases go undiagnosed or untreated? So the problem that we are seeing is that, unfortunately, the warning signs are not being picked up. So children can present with tiredness, with pallor, being pale, with some lymph glands, and those are all symptoms of quite common childhood conditions, commonly flus and that kind of thing. And that's unfortunately why doctors and everybody in the medical profession are misdiagnosing the children. And then when they eventually become so sick and the cancer has metastasized, they then pick it up, which then makes it too late for chemo to be actually effective in mm, those children. Mm. What is it that parents and caregivers should be looking out for in terms of noticing? I mean, you've already highlighted that a lot of some of the symptoms are just, you know, your ordinary things that children would get. But what are some of the significant signs that one can look out for? So I can't emphasize this enough and how important it is to seek medical help if a child has persistent symptoms. So any persistent symptoms, persistent fever, persistent swollen glands, persistent fatigue that last longer than two weeks and a child has been on treatment and the lymph glands or the child has felt a little bit better but never actually truly completely resolve from or get better from the pain or the, you know, the conditions that the child sits with. So that's one of the most important things. That's a red flag when a child just stays ill and not getting better. Other things that they can look at, there's actually a very nice acronym that the Childhood Cancer Foundation has come up with, um, and it's called the St. Cillian Warning Signs, where the S is for seek medical help if the persistent symptoms. I is for eye, if there's a white spot in the eye or the eye is swollen or there's a new onset. If there's a lump anywhere on the body, on the legs, the limbs, the neck, that doesn't go away, gets smaller with antibiotics, but then just comes back. Any unexplained symptoms, for example, unexplained weight loss, unexplained tiredness, mm. unexplained loss of appetite, those really need to, you know, must make the parents aware. And they must persist. I mean, if they don't get 
to a doctor that will actually investigate and get to the root of the problem, then unfortunately then you need to get somebody else for a second opinion because this is missed by a lot of medical professions. The A is for aching, so any pain in the bones, the back, any headaches. A child should never have a headache. A child should not have backache. Those are warnings. It's red flags. Mothers mm. and fathers need to be aware mm-hmm. of. And then lastly, the N is for neurological signs. If a child deteriorates in his milestones, if he's off balance, if he all of a sudden has a weakness on the one side of the body, those are the kind of things that point to malignancies and that parents need to be aware of. Now, for people who want to gain just more insight into some of the very pertinent things you've highlighted, is there a website that they can go on just to gain more information around this? Yes, they can actually go onto the Child with Cancer, the Chuck Foundation website. So the Chuck website has got all the signs that I've just mentioned. It's www.chuck.org.za, so it's C-H-O-C. And that just emphasizes, on the website, it emphasizes these signs and symptoms that parents need to be aware of. That is Dr. Tanya Schickeling, a pediatrician self-specializing in oncology and hematology at the Netke Clinton Hospital in Alberton in South Africa's Gauteng province, talking to Zikona Miso. Statistics South Africa says formal sector jobs have declined by 69,000 during the second quarter of this year. The latest figure puts the number of fully employed South Africans at 9.7 million people. Communities services, which include government-related occupations, showed the biggest decline of nearly 70,000 jobs. Tepumungwe reports. The local economy continued to shed jobs in the face of a technical recession. Employees under government and its related entities were the hardest hit when it comes to job losses. More than 70,000 work openings vanished in the second quarter. Manufacturing, mining and transport also added to the country's joblessness. Matlapane Mashupye is with Statistics South Africa. Sectors which contributed to this decrease are as follows. Community services with a drop of 67,000. This is due to... Uh, approximately 66,000 people who are employed in the March quarter. These are the guys who are helping with uh, registration for the upcoming election. Uh, for this quarter, they are now laid off. The second industry to show a drop is manufacturing with a drop of 15,000. This was seen in the subsector of food, uh, beverages and tobacco. And then the third industry, which showed a drop mining with a drop of 2,000. However, trade and business services have managed to increase the number of jobs. Mashipia explains. The first two is trade industry and business services, which grew by 7,000. And then under trade, this uh, was observed under retail trade. And then under business services, it was observed under real estate. And also the third industry, which showed uh, an increase, is construction with an increase of 1,000. According to Stats essay, gross average earnings paid to workers fell by 5 billion rand. The industries that contributed to lower earnings were in business services and mining. Community services, manufacturing and trade increased their earnings, as Mashupia explains. In the the case of business service, we have big banks, big banks, which are paying bonuses and overtime every time in the first quarter. They decide to drop in the second quarter. And otherwise, there are industries which showed an increase, which is community services with 3.5 billion 
transport industry 2.3 billion, construction 1.1 billion, manufacturing 0.6 billion, trade industry 0.4 billion, and lastly electricity with 94 million. This was due to salaries, uh, salary increase, bonuses, and overtime paid in these industries. I am Tepo Mungwai in Johannesburg. Remembering Mama Albertina Sisulu. We will say whatever we are expected to say by the people. And we are aligning ourselves with the struggle for the people. We are aligning ourselves with the struggle for the liberation of the oppressed people of this country. Channel Africa leading the Women's Month conversations. If you're interested in a real life story of friendship, then join Channel Africa for a book reading of 65 Years of Friendship. Written by George Bezos about his relationship with African icon Nelson Mandela. From Monday to Thursday at 2200 Central African Time and during the weekend on Saturday and Sunday at 800 hours Central African Time. Join us for 65 Years of Friendship, a real-life drama. Channel Africa, bringing you the African Perspective. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. It is info at channelafrica.co.za. That is info at channelafrica.co.za. If you want to send us emails, it's 17.30 Central African Time. Here's Cholana Tula with your news headlines. Thank you, Spumelele. Making headlines, eight soldiers have been killed by a blast in the troubled north of Burkina Faso. South Sudan civil war has caused the deaths of, the deaths, rather, of at least 382,900 people. And finally, South African President Cyril Ramaphosa has clarified the process of land reform in the country, saying land expropriation is intended to boost the country's economy and correct the injustices of the past. For Channel Africa, I'm Jolani Tulo. Seventeen thirty one Central African Time it's Channel Africa One on Twitter. The Economic Community of West African States has uh, received a petition from the Association of Nigerian Traders in Ghana protesting new laws, which is a hindrance to economic progress of the foreign of the region, rather by Accra. They say the association says that the law, which demands that any foreign business prospector seeking to do business in Ghana must have at least one million US dollars. 
against the spirit of ECOWAS and African investors in Ghana. At least this is what those petitioning ECOWAS say. Here's Collins Atohengbe. Nigerians living and doing business in Ghana have been persistently, continuously molested. The day began without any inkling of uncommon action or incidents around the Asokoro office of the Economic Committee of West African States, ECOWAS, in Abuja, the Nigerian capital. Then came the voice of singing men and women in a procession as they sang and moved into the foregrounds of the regional body's office, lamenting their woes and what they call unacceptable development in the business community in Ghana, which they say is killing the efforts of foreign-owned businesses, especially Nigerians. The representative of the association, Ken Okwaha, narrated some of the woes to include unbearable mistreatment through high-handedness in dealing with foreign business owners, leading to their businesses being placed under lock and key. Many of them intimidated, harassed, their businesses liquidated, shops closed down. As we speak now, over 400 shops belonging to Nigerians are under lock and key by Ghanaian authority. The reason is that they are saying that Nigerians come there and take over their businesses. And we not tell the made lazy. We not tell the made sign ECOWAS treaty that brought every country in ECOWAS, all the 15 countries together as one entity. And we have written to ECOWAS severally. Of course, I appreciate the fact that the ECOWAS presidents the past presidents have intervened in this matter. ECOWAS parliament had intervened in this matter. Nigerian government have intervened in this matter during the previous administration. And there have been diplomatic moves to settle this call. The development in Ghana, according to the speaker of the group, is that the amount set for foreigners to hold in portfolio before they can do businesses in Ghana is too high and constraining to any non-Ghanaian who wish to do business there but the fulcrum of the whole thing is that the ghanaian parliament came up with a law enacted a law the gipc ghana investment center promotion act 865 that said that if you are a foreigner in ghana unless you have a minimum capital of about one million dollars listen to me i'm not saying one million cd i'm not saying one million naira one million dollars you cannot do business in ghana that is if you are a foreigner to forestall what could turn out to be a tit for tat by omission or commission, the group decided to protest to the ECOWAS Commission's office to seek further intervention and give more attention to ensuring the success of ECOWAS protocol on free movement of persons, goods and services, as well as advance the much-branded regional integration which has been canvassed across the continent. Except steps are taken to set the business climate in Ghana are right, for foreigners doing businesses there. The association say the present protest is just a teaser. Here, once again, is Ken Okwaha. As we speak right now, a Nigerian had to commit suicide because her shop has been under lock and key. And she borrowed money and in Ghana, Ghanaian banks have been on her neck, putting pressure on her. She needs to survive also with her children. She ended up committing suicide on Saturday. That's why we got annoyed and said, this is enough. And Ghanaian police have confirmed it. We have Nigerians who are living there, and they say they are deported 72 this weekend. What are their crimes? Nothing. We have police here. 
Has police intimidated any Ghanaian in Nigeria? No. Police are back. Have you people intimidated any Nigeria, any Ghanaian living in Nigeria? No. Yes, I know. If we have a disciplined police force in Nigeria, but Ghanaian police will look out the other way around, and we are sick and tired of this. We want the APCOAS president to be here. We want to submit our petition to him. In fact, what you're seeing now is just a tape. We will come and take over this place. Though there has been no response from the ECOWAS Commission on the issues raised. It had made efforts to settle differences between foreign business owners who are mostly Africans and Ghanaian authorities in the past. It is expected also that this will be taken seriously and a durable solution in the spirit of regional unity will override any interest that is a threat to the regional integration which is believed could strengthen the economy of West African states. From Lagos, Nigeria, I am Collins Nosato Engwe for Channel Africa News. Today is World Environment Health Day and the theme of commemoration is global food safety and sustainability. The theme aims to support the provision of more safe food, to make use of precious water and nutrient resources, and for communities to increasingly value sustainable food production. September marks a recycling month. As the leading recycling company in the country, Impact Recycling is encouraging everyone to embody this year's WEHD, tasking individuals with the continuation of maintaining their recycling efforts all year long. From our side, we talk about World Environmental Health Day where we actually note in the fact that we need individuals across South Africa to focus on their recycling efforts all year long not just on the back end of recycling month, which was obviously now in September. So that's where our link actually comes in around recycling and that you can do your bit to make sure your environment remains a good, healthy environment by doing your bit for recycling. Now, before we talk a little more about recycling, the theme of this year's commemoration is global food safety and sustainability. What exactly does this theme speak to? Well, I think the theme really aims to support the provision of more safe food more than anything else and then to make use of precious water and nutrient resources and then obviously for communities to increasingly value sustainable food production. But you might ask, well, cool, that's great, but what does that have to do with recycling? And what it has to do with recycling is the fact that this earth, we have very, very limited resources. So from our water to our fuel to our food, and if we actually don't take care of our planet, we are going to find ourselves in very desperate times. And that's where recycling actually comes in, because whether it's on a personal or a large scale, it really is about protecting the lifespan of our resources, specifically our landfill sites in South Africa today. Would you say that South Africans generally do understand recycling and are they really into it? I think we've come a very long way, in all honesty. Recycling is not a new concept in South Africa. It's existed for quite a long time. I think the difference comes in is that there's more pressure nowadays because of the fact that our landfill sites are running out of space. So I think in general people get the concept of recycling and they want to do it, but it's got to be made very easy for them. So if it becomes a lot of effort, if the services are not there for the collection of recyclables or if there's, there's no drop-off sites and things like that, 
people do tend to become despondent and they, they wonder, well, what's the point at the end of the day? But um, we've got very good statistics. The most recent one is from the Paper Recycling Association of South Africa, which talks about the fact that in uh, 2017 we hit our target of 70% recycling rates of paper-based products. And what that actually means is for the 1.8 million tons of paper packaging, like your cardboard boxes and things like that that were manufactured last year, South Africans managed to recycle just over 1.3 million tons. So that's a very good rate in comparison to global standards when it comes to recycling. Now, what would you identify as the most important things that need to be recycled? So there's a number of products that we focus on specifically because we utilize them in our mills. So we talk specifically about paper recycling. Obviously, we're the leading paper recycling in South Africa. So for us, it's products like your newspapers, your magazines, your cardboard boxes, your white paper out of offices, things like that. And a very new grade to the market is actually your long-life milk and juice cartons. And just to give you an idea, for a very, very long time, South Africans were actually told that product must just be thrown into a dustbin. It can't actually be recycled. But Impact has the processing equipment to actually take the paper and strip it out of the plastic layer and the foil layer that's on those cartons and then actually utilize it again to make new reels of paper. So that's one of the newer products as well. And then another product that we recycle ourselves is obviously your water and your cool drink bottles, your PET bottles. And that goes through our processing facility, which is Impact Polymers in Wadeville. And it basically takes old water bottles and we make new water bottles out of it. Now, finally, just to conclude, for somebody who might be wondering, but why must I make an effort to recycle? What are the benefits of recycling? So there's a number of ways to look at it. And I think one of the most important ways is the fact that nobody wants to live amongst a mess. You know, you, you live in your house, it's, it's your place of refuge, you want to relax and that. So you never live amongst litter. So that's an impetus there. The second thing is that obviously you work in that realm as well. So when you come to work, you don't want to be amongst litter and rubbish and things like that. So based on that, we know for a fact that there are a number of benefits when it comes to recycling. One of which is obviously environmental benefit, which we've spoken about, where um, we're running out of landfill space. And just recycling one ton of paper actually saves three cubic meters of landfill space. So if we give you an example that we processed over 600,000 tons of paper and PET last year, it just gives you an idea of the landfill space savings that we're actually incurring. The other benefit to recycling is that there is an economic benefit. And in South Africa, we actually talk about the fact that there are over 100,000 employment opportunities when one recycles. So that's from the collector in your street to the guy driving the truck to the sorter in the recycling facility to the guy in the mill who actually makes the paper reels. So there are numerous benefits to recycling and it's an industry that actually can't be overlooked at the end of the day. Donna Marie Noble is Communications Manager at Ampat Recycling on the line with Jane Rabotata. Attention to our listeners. The first hour of Africa Digest will not be broadcast on Channel 802 on the DSTV Audio Bouquet. 
the 1700 hours show will only be found on shortwave and online on www.channelafrica.co.za please note that this only applies to the 1700 hours central african time show the 1900 hour central african time program will be back on all the platforms channel africa giving you an african perspective If you're interested in a real-life story of friendship, then join Channel Africa for a book reading of 65 Years of Friendship, written by George Bezos about his relationship with African icon Nelson Mandela. From Monday to Thursday at 2200 Central African Time and during the weekend on Saturday and Sunday at 800 hours Central African Time. Join us for 65 Years of Friendship, a real-life drama. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. This is Channel Africa. South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa. has your economic news. Good evening, thanks, says Pumalele. The World Bank has approved 80 million US dollars in loans to Somalia to fund public finance reforms, marking the first disbursement to the government of the conflict-ridden country in 30 years. The Washington-based lender, which suspended ties with the country when war broke out in 1991, resumed support for Somalia in 2003, at that time saying it will focus on HIV, AIDS and livestock programs with other organizations. It has reopened direct ties with Somalia's federal government in early 2013. The World Bank's board has approved financing of $60 million for the current cost and reform financing project and $20 million for the domestic revenue and public finance management capacity strengthening project. Statistics South Africa says uh, jobs in the formal sector declined by 69,000 during the second quarter of the year. The latest figures puts the number of fully employed South Africans at 9.7 million people. Community services, which include uh, government-related occupations, showed the biggest decline of nearly 70,000 jobs. However, trade and business services have managed uh, to increase the number of jobs in the country as a ma- Apane Mashubze explains from Statistics South Africa. Sectors which contributed to this decrease are as follows. Community services with a drop of 67,000. This is due to uh, approximately 66,000 people who are employed in the match quarter. These are the guys who are helping with uh, registration for the upcoming election. 
for this quarter they are now laid off. The second industry to show a drop is manufacturing with a drop of 15,000. This was seen in the subsect of food, uh, beverages and tobacco. And then the third industry which showed a drop mining with a drop of 2,000. Meanwhile, South Africa's first uh, solar fuel service station has been launched at the Kruger National Park to mitigate carbon emissions. The initiative is part of celebrating 60 years of partnership between Total South Africa and South Africa's Parks Association. Sun Parks, C- C- Sun Parks. CEO of Total South Africa, PAUVS Charles, says uh, the project is aligned with the company's ambition to become a responsible energy supplier to develop solar power. So in South Africa, out of the 550, 600 service stations that we have, we'll be transforming and solarizing close to 300 stations in the coming two years. We'll be around 50, 60 stations already by the end of 2018. And we will be solarizing all the service stations in the, in the national parks. So today, Total has 21 service stations in all the different national parks uh, in the country. And we have decided to, to start today uh, with this station in Skukuza, in Kruger, because it's uh, probably one of the m- most famous stations. And some companies' news now. Steinhoff International shares lost 5% of their value before recovering somewhat after a Dutch court announced uh, that uh, litigation by shareholders against the embattled South African retailer will proceed in the Netherlands. Some shareholders say Steinhoff, registered in the Netherlands, misled them by stating false information in its 2015 and 2016 accounts. Steinhoff late last year uncovered accounting fraud that sent its shares crashing and nearly tipped the company into bankruptcy. The PIC in South Africa lost at least 1.1 billion US dollars. The class action is aimed at compensating Steinhoff investors worldwide for more than 15 billion dollars in market value that disappeared after the accounting scandal surfaced in December 2017. And Ford Motor Chief Executive Officer James Hackett says metal tariffs cost the car maker a billion US dollars. Hackett, speaking at the Bloomberg Business Forum conference in New York City, said the tariffs were very negative to the company since most of the supply came from American suppliers. The United States in March said it will impose a 25% tariff on imported steel and 10% tariffs on imported aluminium. Financial indicators, the dollar, 10.45, Botswana Pula, 11.88, Zambian Kwacha, BRICS currencies, the dollar at 4.09, Brazilian Real, 6.57, Russian Ruble, 7.27, Indian Rupee, 6.9, Chinese Yuan, and at 14 rand 36 cents against the South African rand. Also trading at 76 pence to the British pound and 85 cents against the euro. Commodities gold. It's at $1,201. Platinum is at $825 per fine ounce. Brent crude oil has gone up now to $81.85 per barrel. This could be attributed to the tit-for-tat that is happening between the U.S. and Iran over the increase in oil prices, with U.S. President saying that Iran and the Middle Eastern countries and OPEC-producing countries, which are oil-producing countries, must make sure that they produce more oil in order to lower the demand and the prices. That's how it's looking.
Thanks very much, Usani Sam, for Sports News here's Neto Chemane. Good evening, sport fans. With your latest Channel Africa Sports News at this hour, I'm Neto NETO Chemani. Starting off with football news. Sierra Leone referee Victor Mara died after collapsing while officiating a community league football match in Freetown on Tuesday. The incident happened a few minutes before the end of a well-attended match between Crew Bay and Falcon 12 FC. Attempts were made to revive the 27-year-old, but he was pronounced dead after being rushed to hospital. The exact cause of death is not yet known. Mara took part in a confederation of African football, CAF referees in Cairo just a few weeks ago. South African Absa Premiership side Bloemfontein Celtic coach Steve Compella calls for supporters and football lovers alike to pray for Bloemfontein Celtic. The Free State outfit still finds itself in turmoil as players have been on strike since last week. This followed the failure to pay sign-on fees owed to players by club boss Max Chabalala and their strike action continues into its second week. This is the second time a strike of this nature happens this year. In March and July this year, players went on strike and this was also linked to outstanding salaries and signing on fees. The club is once again up for sale and Chabalala is back at the helm after the proposed sale of the club to business people Sinkil Shabani and Moikets Mosola fell through due to contractual breaches. Compella is saddened by the club's current embattled situation. I'm praying and you must help me pray for me as well. We need to pray for our people, on our supporters. Whatever we do, listen, we could have differences, we could have challenges. But at the end of the day, the people who come here with pride and passion, our supporters, they understand what we're going through. But after a result, quickly you forget the mind tends to go into how you feel. They're going to forget the problems and feel the pain because football is emotional. Even myself now, I know what you're going through. I've accepted that, but it doesn't feel good because you've been through this experience. Now the same will happen with them, but we just need to find it quickly, find our footing, solve our problems and hope that we go on in a normal way. The former Kaiser Chiefs mentor joined the Celtic back in June this year after spending three seasons at Amakosi. Compella admits that there are challenges at the club, but the coach chooses not to dwell on them. I know we have our own challenges, which are obviously known that I cannot dwell into, but you cannot, you cannot. And Wes, these people love this team. How nice could it have been to give them yet another victory? so that they can build a fortress. We've got great support, good field, good players. Just consolidate that so that you can grow and become a better Celtic. On to rugby news. All Blacks centre Ryan Crotty has won the Argentina. The world champions are still hurting after a rare test defeat and wanted to make amends against the Pumas this Saturday. The New Zealanders succumbed to unfancied South Africa 36-34 in Wellington on September the 15th in their first rugby championship defeat for three years. Crotty said the result did not sit well with his teammates. The 39-test veteran said having a week off after the loss wasn't ideal because it gave the players longer to stew over the result. The 52nd edition of Equestrian South African Jumping Derby continues again this year. Started today the 26th to the 30th of September at Kailami Park Club. 
As always, the highlights will be the South African 1.50-meter derby final on Sunday. The current reigning champion, Nicola Simrilli, says that the derby is the most difficult part of the event. If a derby is not just a course of jumps, they've got a lot of we call natural obstacles. Uh, we have to go down a bank. They've got a tabletop, which is basically a raised section of ground that you jump onto and canter across and jump off. But obviously they have poles on it to make it higher. Uh, they've got a big St. Andrew's Cross, which they call uh, it, it basically is just a really big jump. looks like a big star. And then they've got the Devil's Dyke, which is basically you jump into a, a, a downward slide going back up and out again and it's three jumps that you have to keep up and it's a very long track it's one of the the longest tracks of the year so so i think it's about 1.2 kilometers or something like that and finally in golf news rory mcelroy says it would be silly for europe's Ryder cup team to focus on one player when it comes to the threat posed by america's tiger woods Woods has won 14 majors, claimed a first win in five years at the Tour Championship in Atlanta last weekend. Woods was a wildcard pick of United States captain Jim Furyk, having shown a return to form following back surgery and personal problems. Stay tuned on Channel Africa for programming news and sports from an African perspective. For Channel Africa Sports, I'm Neto and Ito Chemani. This is Africa Digest. Let's recap our top stories this hour. The DRC's opposition warned that voting machines will be sabotaged unless a consensus is found in time on the use of such controversial tools. Another body found in Tanzania's efforts got underway to salvage the wreckage of the capsized ferry. And that wraps up Africa Digest for this hour. From myself, Spumele Lezondi, producer Luyanda Mawama, technical producer Revelino Ibrahim, and the rest of the team, thank you very much for listening.